today, I am unreal. Sure, it would be great to be able to take a day off once a week, but that's just not possible. I mean, between work and family and other commitments, I mean, I, I barely have enough time in the week to get done everything I have to. I'm, I'm playing catch up as it is. Most weeks I need that Sunday just to get stuff done. And then it all goes by so fast and suddenly, you know, 10 years have gone by. It's like you're so busy getting stuff done that you never have time to think about where you're really headed or even really enjoy where you're at. Welcome. Most of us, most of us are somewhat familiar with the Ten Commandments. And maybe you might not be able to, well, repeat them all, but, but I bet you'd come pretty close. And for the most part, we don't struggle with them. In other words, not like we obey them all the time, but we kind of agree hey, there shouldn't be any other gods. We should just worship one god. And, and we go through them. Well, that is, except for the fourth one. The fourth one is tough. We look at it, and, and we wonder, what is it that God actually desires? If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20, and I'm going to read the fourth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. You know, it wasn't too long ago when our culture literally shut down on Sunday. Or it was considered a Sabbath. Uh, gas stations, grocery stores, restaurants. And there are actually still places in the United States where, well, a lot less is open on a Sunday than, than is closed. The church, though... If I bring it up and we just chat with one another, seems to be both confused and divided. So what is the Sabbath, and is there a Sabbath expectation for Christians? I know already there are some who are going, oh, I, I think I should be on a boat this morning. Um, I don't know if I want to hear this message. Let me encourage you. I think God is something special for each one of us in the text today. 
Let's pray. Father, I know that we don't know you very well at times. Sometimes we do look at this Bible as a gigantic rule book. <laughs> Rules that we just can't even begin to op apply or even obey. God, we pray that you would open up our hearts to your love letter. That we would get to know you better. That we would understand a little bit more of why you've given us principles. And what principles apply to us and which ones don't. God, more than anything, we want to get to know you better. We want to understand you. And we want you to transform us from the inside out. We know that listening to you brings life. We know that there's stability that will happen in our lives as we obey you. But the enemy has been relentless and ruthless, deceives us and lies to us. So I pray this day, God, that wherever we're at in our journey, that your spirit would teach us and guide us and direct us. Lord, we pray for other churches in our neighborhood, other sister churches. We, we think of Orchard out of McHenry and Redemption and Wonder Lake. We ask you, dear God, that you would be with those flocks, that you would encourage them, that they would hear your word, and that all of us together would be salt and light wherever you send us. We pray, dear Father, for all the teachers downstairs. And we pray that our kids might be able to hear good news and gospel and that their hearts would be strengthened for all the other studies that are going on, for all of our missionaries working all over the world, for all of our families struggling and wrestling with how to follow you with all their hearts some being schooled at home and some being schooled in the classrooms. We ask you, dear God, that you would give all of us a clear perception of you, strengthening us, guiding us. And today, Father, open our eyes to what needs to be opened. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to start what? is the Sabbath. Uh, to most of us, it usually means a, a church service. It, it just does. Make sure that you honor going to church. And we see this if you've ever read the Cowboys' Ten Commandments. Now, again, the top, Cowboys' Ten Commandments is not God's Ten Commandments. But what happens here is that if you look at the fourth one, it just basically says, get yourself in a Sunday meeting. And, and that's kind of what our mentality is on the Sabbath. Is, well, hey, we just need to make sure that we go to church. But to a Jew, keeping the Sabbath holy was more than a meeting. It was a whole day. 
It started sundown on a Friday and ended sundown on a Saturday. Let me summarize this commandment from God for you. First of all, he says, observing the Sabbath meant being intentional. Remember, this is something that's important. Secondly, observing the Sabbath meant keeping it holy. And we all might have a little idea of what, well, what does that actually mean? Keeping it holy, keeping it sacred, keeping it special. Then in the commandment, it's the Sabbath was different than six other days. Seven days are divided six in one. Six days, you can do anything you want, provide for your family. But one day, one day is going to be different than the other six. And lastly, the Sabbath day was dedicated to God. It was a day of rest. We do see in the scriptures that observing the Sabbath meant blessing. If you obeyed God here and you were a Jew, well, God would bless you. And the opposite is also true. Disobedience meant death. I was whoa. I, I, I mean, not every commandment that was given was told that if you disobeyed, you would die. But this one was. I think the prophet Isaiah helps us understand what the Sabbath day actually looks like. In Isaiah 58, verse 13, keep the Sabbath day holy or sacred. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Get a better picture here. But by the time the first century rolled around, when Jesus was walking here on the planet, it was approximately 1,500 years after Moses was alive. And that's when the Ten Commandments were given. The Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of that time, had listed 39 categories of work. And under the 39 categories, they had hundreds of subcategories. So a Jew would know exactly what they could do on the Sabbath. Let me just give you a few, for instance. First of all, you had to count your steps. They didn't have the smart watches or any of those things. You literally had to count your steps because you could only walk a little less than a half mile. Which there are stories, again, when you finished, if you were far from home, someone had to come and pick you up and bring you back home. But the problem was that would have been work, so no Jew could do it. You'd have to find a Gentile to pick you up and carry you back home. Back then, you couldn't spit on the Sabbath. 
it would be considered irrigating the fields. You couldn't carry your clothes, literally, this is one of the rules, out of a burning building. But you could wear them out. The list was exhausting. And no wonder Jesus was upset with the religious during his day. The Sabbath was a gift to the Jews, not a burden, a time of healing and restoration. We have to ask the question, is the Sabbath an expectation or a requirement for Christians? I mean, it is part of the Bible. It is part of the scriptures. It sounds like it should be. We, we should probably obey scriptures. Teach us. Can I? Uh, here's a here. Good? All right, thank you. It sounds like the Sabbath should be something that Christians should be obedient to. But the Gospels and the Scriptures actually teach us otherwise. The Gospels often tell us that the Pharisees thought Jesus broke the Sabbath. Well, he did. Jesus crossed their man-made rules. Jesus knew the Sabbath was a gift given to rest, to reflect, to restore, to celebrate, to worship, to remember, and to honor God. It was sacred. And Jesus observed the Sabbath by doing what it was designed to do, to heal and to restore. The command for the Sabbath is not repeated in the New Testament, whereas all other nine commandments are. In fact, the Sabbath command is nullified. Let me share with you. Paul, who was a converted Pharisee, loved talking about a believer's new life in Christ and their freedom from the law, the Mosaic law. In Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 13, Paul writes this. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So, when you see the word so, you can put in there in light of this because of what you just read. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days, which the Jews had a whole bunch of them, or new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. 
for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. You see, the Mosaic laws, including the Sabbath command, were shadows or previews of what living by means of the Spirit actually would look like. Believers in the old economy, which I would call life before the resurrection, lived underneath the authority of the Mosaic law. But what Paul was saying, in this new economy, in the age of grace... In living life after the resurrection, believers have the Holy Spirit living in them. And the Holy Spirit guides and directs and convicts us. The Sabbath command was focused on Israel and does not apply to a believer who is living in the church age under the new economy in the age of grace. In fact, Paul was clear again in Romans chapter 7, verse 6. And let me read it for you. But now we have been released from the law. Even in this passage, the word law is used a few different times. In your Bibles, if you have them, I would probably even put in there the flesh or the old sin nature. But now we have been released from the flesh, the old sin nature... For we have died to it, and we are no longer captive to its power or its authority in our lives. We don't have to listen to it. Now, Paul says, we can serve God. Not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, or in parentheses, the Mosaic law. But in the new way. Of living in the Spirit. God says, I have a new way for you. And the Holy Spirit lives in you. And will teach you how to walk, how to talk, how to behave. So, if the Sabbath isn't in force, Is it still important for believers to gather together like the Jews did on the Sabbath when they met in the synagogue? And the answer is actually yes, because the scriptures do talk to us about gathering together. The early church met together in order to learn and to worship and to serve and to pray. We find this in Acts chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We also know in the book of Hebrews that God has given us, believers, a strict warning not to forsake the gathering of believers together. That this is critical. It's so important for the community of God to come together. And that warning is found in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. You may also recall, as you're familiar, especially in the New Testament, that there is something called the one another's. Love one another, serve one another, wash one another's feet. There's different principles and commands like that all the way through the New Testament. In fact, there's close to 40 of them, which tells us, once again, that community is huge. 
that we come together and we learn how to forgive. We learn how to serve. We learn how to love. And we can only do that in community. So being part of a community and a gathering weekly is a big deal. Well, to God followers, no matter what economy they were living in. Now, another critical part of the Hebrew Sabbath was to rest. As I've spent time, again, talking with so many of you over these last few weeks, we've been talking about how tired you are, how tired I am, how the busyness of schedules, the restarting of maybe certain rhythms, the summer is gone, and I have no time. So rest actually is a big deal. God modeled for us what a healthy work rest rhythm looked like when he actually created the world, which was well before the Ten Commandments were given, by the way. In Genesis chapter 2, God rested because the rhythm of work, six days, and rest, one day, is good. Not because he was tired. So it might be wise for us to learn this healthy rhythm from our Heavenly Father. So here's what I'd like to propose. Would you consider establishing a rhythm of 24-6 or work and be available six days? as a spiritual discipline. This simply means you would work six and take one day a week to rest, reflect, restore, celebrate, worship, remember, and honor God. Not because you have to, but because you get to. You see, all spiritual disciplines are practiced in order to help us grow in our relationship with God. That's why it is good to hear from God, to read his word, to study his word, to memorize his word, to meditate on his word. That's why it's good to pray or to talk to God. That's why it's good at times to take some silence and solitude in order to hear God in a different way. Fasting helps us realign our priorities. And generosity helps us radically depend upon God. But maybe you've never considered 24-6. Rick, I, I, I can't even begin to think about that. I, I, again, taking one day to rest and restore my soul every six. I, I have a family. I have obligations. This just is never, ever, ever going to work. But one of the things we're trying to encourage our people, all of us and our leadership, is that we grow in our relationship with God. And part of growing in our relationship with God is spending time with God. One of the ways 
that you and I will grow in unbelievable ways is by purposely taking and setting aside one day a week. I am encouraging you, I'm encouraging us to live 24-6 and try a new spiritual discipline in order for you to grow, to experience joy, and to be replenished. Actually, Jesus is a motivator here for me. As we look back at Jesus, we know that he lived his life under the 24-6 kind of scenario. He practiced the Sabbath. And if I ask a question like, who was busier than Jesus? Well, I, I don't think anybody. Who was more in demand than Jesus? I... Don't think anyone. I I just don't. But somehow, Jesus lived six days normally and set aside the Sabbath. I got to be honest, out of all the spiritual disciplines, this one is the one I struggle with the most. In fact, I've tried to justify this. Well, I can grow other ways. I don't really need a whole day. I I mean, I can spend some extra time with God, and I can spend an extra hour or two or three. And I'm not saying that if you don't spend an extra day or a whole day that you're wrong. What I am saying is that God ordained this from the beginning as a great rhythm for us. Your Sabbath would be a day, if you did this, where you begin to look forward to. It would be a day for you to actually rest. Maybe you would choose to unplug. Do you know that it's over 90% of Americans that have their phones with them um, 24 hours? I, I don't know how you operate. But I know this. We have this mentality that I can't unplug. I have to check my emails. What about my texts? What happened if there's an emergency? And I, and I know there's all that kind of stuff. But there is something about intentionally unplugging and ceasing from normal work. This day of rest would probably be unscheduled. You know, for me, even when I go on vacation, I sit down with my wife and, all right, what are we doing at 10? What are we doing at 11.30? What do we, and, and she looks at me and she goes, you drive me crazy. And I go, yeah, maybe we should toss that out. I get it. But this Sabbath day might be a day where there isn't a calendar and there isn't a schedule. And you go for walks rather than hikes. 
It's a day to restore your soul spiritually. So many times, again, we, well, get our devotions in or, or we may be able to pray as we go to work or, or life is just filled with all kinds of different things. So we, we listen to a podcast and, you know, one a day or we get our devotions sent to us over the Internet. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. But is there ever a time when you just sit down and, Father, I want to hear from you. I want to open up your word. I I don't have any phone calls to return. My phone isn't even here. God, what is it that you want to do in my life? Where do you want me to go? What are some areas of blindness that I need to hear from? Because if we're really busy, we hardly ever hear from God. But if we can dedicate a day or a time every single week where we can restore our own soul, we can remember about God, we can tell God's stories to one another, we can remind each other of God's faithfulness, And we can grow in spiritual disciplines. One of the things I do up at Silver Birch Ranch is teach a class called Spiritual Disciplines. And one of the things I try to do to these students, these usually 19 and 20-year-olds, is to push them out of a comfort zone. And, and not to be mean, it's just how about if we try two hours of silence and solitude? You can hear in the room a gasp. Well, what does that mean? Uh, Silence is key and solitude. It means go to a place where there is nothing going on and you don't have somebody with you. All I'm saying is, Will that help you become some great Christian just knowing God better and better and better? Maybe. Maybe it will. But you know what I have found over the years? As consistent time, putting aside the busyness of life in order for me to truly hear and listen to God changes my perspective of God and encourages me. So there's lots of spiritual disciplines. And, and just like, well, when you start dating somebody, you get all excited. It, you know, you can't wait to give her or him a call. You know, you're texting, you're doing all kinds of different things. But then you get married. Are you kidding? I got another text from my wife. That, doesn't she know? I'm working. Yeah, okay. When you were dating, it didn't matter. If you were in class, it was an awesome thing. I got to get out of class. I got to go answer. I got to do something. Somehow things change in relationships if, if 
we don't keep working on relationships. I, I don't know if you've been married for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years or 30 years. I don't know. At 30 years, do you still go on dates? I hope so. In 30 years after you've been married, is it? And you can fill You know what marriages thrive? Are those that are creative, that those that never stop trying, to those that are out serving one another. And it is the same way with Jesus. If we think every day we read a certain devotion and we pray a certain way, and that, wow, the relationship can get stagnant. The Sabbath time, the one day that you set aside, that I set aside, can be very creative. I'm not even just saying that, hey, you better jump right into the 24 hours. But I am saying this, that as we begin to grow, as we begin to spend special time with our God, and we put it aside, oh, we begin to grow in that relationship with God. And we don't see it as something, again, we have to do. It becomes something we get to do. I think one of the ways I would encourage you to, as you look at this Sabbath day or this time of refreshment, would be do something that replenishes you. It doesn't suck the juice out of you. What refreshes you? What energizes you? I would encourage you to do that. Now, I'm not so sure everybody is convinced that this is a good thing to do. You look at your calendars. You look at your schedules. I get it. But as you walk with the Lord and your calendars get busier and busier, I will encourage you to start putting in your calendar times for rest, restoration, and rest. But there are going to be some challenges if you do this 24-6 discipline thing. I guarantee it. Whether you start off with as an hour or two or three. Let me share what they are. First of all, it takes work and planning to enjoy a 24-6 lifestyle. If you are not going to worry about filling up your car, if you're going to go on a drive and listen to God, well, you better fill your car up the day before. That's all. If, If you want to make some meals ahead of time so that you don't have to worry about preparing food. Well, you probably have to do that the day before. Maybe some of you have to go online and put your email in vacation mode. Whatever. And and if you don't know what that is, probably should learn what that is. All right? And I don't even know about all the other things that every one of us have to do. But baby steps or small steps are so important here. 
Realistically, we talked last week about the Great Commission and, and how Jesus' last words were to go and make disciples. And it was really important as Jesus kind of shared that, that, hey, how do you make disciples? Well, as we look at that text, as we listen to God, as we obey God in other areas of Scripture, it's really important to hang out with people that God draws you to. To spend time with God, knowing who you encourage and strengthen. Another challenge in the 24-6 spiritual discipline is that not everyone in your family may do spiritual disciplines or even want you to do 24-6. You've got chores, Maybe there's someone in your household that doesn't know the Lord. And, wow, they're going to think you're absolutely crazy. Or maybe you've been married a long time and you're at different stages of growth. Or maybe you're in places where it would be really, really difficult. I don't know all those things. But I know this, is that it's really important that each of us Set aside time to hear from God, to listen to God, to respond to God. And one way is to put in your calendars once a week an extended time and maybe even grow it to the whole day. You know, what's encouraging is that if you do, there are very little regrets I also want to say this. If you're thinking about this, interruptions happen, progress is slow, and failure happens all the time. It just does. Every time you plan to spend extended time with God, and for you, extended time might be 15 minutes. And I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that might be the next step for you. But every time you plan it, I guarantee there's something that's going to come up, at least in your head. One of the things I try to encourage people is to have a pad of paper always with them during these extended times of Sabbath. The reason is, is that all of a sudden I remember all the things that I was supposed to do when I'm trying to listen to God. Or all the things people I'm supposed to make calls to. And for me, what's really helpful is the pad of paper so I can just write it down, forget it, and then go right back to God. We're all going to learn what is important for us. How do we stay on task? But it's going to be worth it. Lastly, the thing I would just like to point out to you is that this day should just be different. So you say, well, I'm not exactly sure what to do, how to do it. I'm not sure. All those different things. Well, I think a rule of thumb is this. Think of what you do for six days. 
and this day is going to look different. Well, how does it look different? You're probably going to eat different. You're probably going to spend it differently. You're probably going to, and you fill in the blank. Really, what we're hoping to do, not only as leadership here, but to encourage people in their growth, in walking with God, helping them set up plans, maybe encouraging you in certain spiritual disciplines, Maybe even helping you formulate a four-hour Sabbath sometime. Or maybe for some, we start off at four minutes. Four minutes. But you're not going to regret it. You just won't. It will be something again that God fills your soul and fills your heart. You're hearing God differently. You're responding differently. You're energized for the week. You're reminded of his faithfulness. The discouraging times aren't as discouraging. You're strengthened. And how encouraging is that in a busy, frantic, hectic world. Here's my encouragement. I don't know if anybody's going to leave today and say, oh, man, I can see that wisdom. I'm going to start a whole day of Sabbath and you put it in the calendar. Probably not going to happen. But you know what could happen? Is I say, you know what? I know that God has given us a rhythm. I know it's really important to grow in my relationship with God. I know back before the resurrection that God had this in his laws for a reason. And I know I'm not bound by that right now. But this would be really, really healthy for me to do. So my encouragement is this, is that you wrestle with that. You talk with others on the way home in the car. You discuss how maybe you can start a rhythm of working and resting so that you might be encouraged and strengthened, empowered by God. You'll never regret that. I'm pretty sure you're going to regret answering every text that comes in 24 hours a day. I hope you wrestle with this. If you need help designing some things or work, we'd love to hear from you. But ultimately, our hope is that you leave here encouraged to do I want to grow. I want to grow differently. I want to hear from God differently. And maybe one small adjustment will grow and you'll learn that you can't live without it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I don't know why. We don't want more and more and more time with you. 
I don't understand why my calendar and my needs oftentimes just push out what's important, God. I know the times I spend with you, I just get thirsty. I want more. I know the times that I listen to you, you strengthen me. Lord, there's times you convict me and I have blinders and I can respond and I can confess. But God, my relationship with you is vital. My relationship with you is a priority. But then it's not. God, I don't know where every one of our friends are at this morning. Maybe so many already have these natural rhythms of work and rest. But if not, God, would you give them the courage to try something? Well, that will change their relationship with you. Lord, I know that I never, ever regret spending time with you. I know that. So give us courage. Give us strength. Give us the ability, God, to think outside the box so that we might know you better and better. In Jesus' name, amen.